Hey, welcome to the Infinity Bros Podcast, the only podcast that is perfectly balanced as all things should be. I am your host, Max Mosier. Grateful to be back with you on Shang-Chi Weekend. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your podcast experience. I'm here with two other Infinity Bros again today, back from a long hiatus. It's Infinity Bro Jarrett. Jarrett, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I feel like I came back refreshed, charged. You know, I'm a new man. I'm not quite like Robbie, you know, but I'm getting there. Yeah, nice. We're 30 seconds in. We're putting an inside joke already in. Elite-level podcasting. Look at us. We're killing it right now. It's awesome. Speaking of killing it, this uh, podcast will probably end soon because he's on, but it's Infinity Bros. Zane. Zane, welcome back. Uh, Thank you. I'm uh, happy to be here. Happy to be here at the same time as Jarrett. I feel like we uh, caught some lightning in a bottle. And uh, yeah, when was the last time this happened? You and me. It's, oh man, I I don't even know. Like literally, I don't even have the answer to that. Dude, last week we talked about a review. We're gonna get to our special guest, which is probably <laughs> the reason you're listening. You're here anyway. We had a, a review talk about episode forty one zine, and apparently in the comments of like the show description on that episode, Jarrett said something really spicy. I don't know what it was. And you complimented Apple. So that was like, I read that and had no idea what happened in episode 41, but I was like, we'd do a great job on plugging ourselves in those comments. And so I, but I also want to rub it in your face that you complimented Apple one time in your you face. You said how much you loved Apple. Yeah. I remember that. That definitely was not what happened, but right. I, I don't sure. remember the specific thing. So, I mean, well, we got a great reading out of it. So thanks for complimenting <laughs> Apple one time. We appreciate that. You sold yourself out to get the review. And for that, we thank you. Well, you know, any for, anything for the bit. Yeah, for the bit. For the bit. Well, if you're listening today, uh, you are definitely familiar with our next guest. We have Justin Musso, a.k.a. Moose, from TikTok. And i am be real with you guys. I'm fangirling out a little bit. This is, this is a big moment. This is my favorite guest we've ever had on. Uh, so, Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming to the Infinity Bros Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm stoked to be here. I'm going to try not to stutter too much when I ask you questions. And <laughs> I really, 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 I, I disagree with people sometimes on this show. I don't know how I'm going to do that this episode with you. I'm going to try, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to. And so that's going to be fun to see how that goes. Thankfully, Zane and Jared will be here to hold me <laughs> accountable. Justin, where can the people find you and uh, where, where are you doing most of your work right now on social media? Uh, I think the bulk of it uh, can be found on my TikTok page. I'm uh, I'm at uh, moose underscore zero on there. Uh, I do a lot of comic talk, a lot of coverage of you know comic book movie news, comic news recommendations, character deep dives. So if you're looking for uh, quick, you know, you know one hundred and one, you know, content little compacted bits of uh, comic book knowledge, come my way. Are you concerned about this WandaVision picture that was put on Marvel's Instagram page? Do you think that's something? I think it is. Um, I, I, I think that Marvel, after the uh, No Way Home trailer release, and people were like, wait a minute, in WandaVision, it said August 23rd was a special date, and they didn't know why, and that was the date the trailer came out. And then, and then Marvel went, yeah, we planned that. And to show that we planned it, here's another date that was circled in WandaVision that also definitely has meaning. Um, 
no, I, I think I think I think they're leaning into it. They're just doubling down and being like, yeah, no, no, that was always the plan. Uh, you see, this is it's all it's all you know it's it's a flat circle. It all kind of it's it's an Ouroboros. We have this. We have red strings on the board on a cork board, right. going back years. We have this planned for forever. Um, but no, I, I definitely think it's going to be something. I don't know exactly what it is. I would anticipate another trailer, but you know, we we will have to wait another week or so and see. We're going to get to hear a lot of your thoughts on a lot of topics today. <laughs> We're going to talk about Shang-Chi. Obviously, the reason you're here, this is the first MCU movie, Jarrett, that's in theaters without being on Disney+. Plus. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about What If Episode 4 with my favorite MCU character, Doctor Strange, and talking about him just descending, breaking bad almost is how I would parallel that episode We'll give a spoiler review of that. And then we're going to finish the show with our top five Shang-Chi moments. And you'll get to hear uh, kind of Moose's perspective on that. It's going to be great. But before we enter into any of that, we have to make sure that Justin goes through the Infinity Gauntlet. Are you a heel or a baby face? If you can make any flavor cheese it, what would it be? Is it pronounced Grogu or Groku? If Keanu Reeves isn't in the movie, can it be star-studded? It's time for the Infinity Gauntlet, here on the Infinity Bros Podcast. If you've never listened to our show before, the Infinity Gauntlet is a time where we put our special guests through a uh, series of random questions. They're not told these questions ahead of time, uh, and it's a way for you as the audience to get to know these individuals. It's also a way for us to get to know them and playfully banter with them, and it's sometimes odd coming on a new show, not knowing anybody, you gotta build a little chemistry before you get into the nitty-gritty, so... Justin, we're going to let you do that. I'm going to go first, and then, Jarrett, you're going to go next. So, Justin, I'm going to start you with a really hard one right out the gate that I know is going to take you a little time, but I'd love to hear you describe your personality using one individual comic book issue. I mean, the, the one that immediately leaves to mind is, uh, I think it's the first or maybe the second issue of... Uh, Spider-Man and the X-Men, where Spider-Man goes to teach uh, a class of the, like, Z-list X-students. Um, and they, he ends up taking them on a, uh, a field trip to the Savage Lands, where they run into the classic uh, Marvel villain Sauron, um, who is a giant pterodon. Uh, he's a scientist who turned himself into a pterodon because he's a huge nerd. And because he likes dinosaurs, and it, I, I, I think it's, I, I just love, I love that whole run because it's not very, it doesn't take itself super seriously, and it's not concerned with trying to maintain any kind of canon. Um, it's just kind of throwing things together that would be funny to watch Spider-Man have to like protect these like kids who have a wild range of abilities, some of them useful, some of them not, um, in these various dangerous situations, and. It's also, I think, the comic that has the now very much memed uh, panel of, of Spider-Man talking to Storm, <laughs> being like, "But you're like a genius; you could cure cancers." And he's like, "And Storm's like, I don't want to cure, I don't want to cure cancer. I just want to make dinosaurs." And he's like, "Yeah, that's a that's a solid villain motivation." We also learned, I think, you have a deep passion for dinosaurs, is what I'm hearing right here. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I I do, I have been known to enjoy dinosaurs. Yeah. yeah well. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Jarrett, we'll pass it off to you. What's your Infinity Gauntlet question for Justin? I love that you brought up the mutants because it's exactly what, what I'm here for. 
Um, so Justin, this is my infinity gauntlet to you. I'm gonna throw it down. You have to throw a dinner party with the leaders of the world in order to achieve world peace, okay? There's some rules to this dinner party. You have three mutants, and the three mutants you choose can't directly interfere with the leaders, right? No mind control, nothing like that. It's just them helping you throw this dinner party. It has to be so entertaining that you achieve world peace. Who are your three mutants and why? Okay. Now, first off, I know you said you said entertaining in there, so that's a big one. Uh, so I think for that, I think I'm gonna go. Uh, well, f- first and foremost, I'm uh, I'm gonna have Glob Herman in there. Um, Love that. He's so uh, non-offensive, and I, I, I don't think I don't think I mean I don't think the leaders of the free world could reasonably look at Glob, be a little off-put at first, but then over the course of the evening. Uh, like completely see that like, oh, they shouldn't judge books by their cover and like mute not not all mutants are to be feared. I think I think he's he's the he's the heart play, to really kind of once again, like, <clears throat> try to try to ease any possible anti mutant sentiments that could be they could be bringing in there with them. That it's it's not, you know, without having to manipulate their pheromones or mess with their minds. It's just a good easy play to the heart. Um, the next. X-Man, I think I would bring in... Or you're going to scare the crap out of him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be that. He could also... He, <laughs> he, also, I feel like he could double as entertaining if once once he, once he they've gotten used to Glob and once they've kind of, like, adjusted to him, <laughs> then he could do the party trick where he lights himself on fire and runs right. around the room a bit. Like, yep. I think that's a solid... That's, a, that's, a, that's always a fun one. I think another one... Now, and again, this is, this is, this is me showing a little bit because I'm, 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 I'm putting together... Uh, a TikTok of uh, I was doing research today of, of a video of uh, characters people commonly assume are mutants but actually aren't, and so I've I've had to redouble on my own things. Correct me if I'm wrong. Dazzler is a mutant, correct? Correct. Okay, so she would be number two. Um, again, we're going with inter- entertaining. She's a she's a pop star. She's you know she's a celebrity. World leaders love getting good like you know pr pictures with celebrities and i think like next to layla cheney she is like one of two x-men who are also double as like pop stars um so i think i think she she you know again she she's good she's disarming she's good around people she knows how to handle like press events so i think she would know how to keep the dinner conversation going and you know really really kind of you know help you know establish a move keep keep the vibes up uh, as it were and then number three, it's impossible to like 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 the, 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 you know to to pardon the pun. There's an X factor that you want to bring to one of these events, and not the team X factor because that would be a very much seen a as a threat. Yeah. Um, that that wouldn't that wouldn't end well. Um, but Dupe Dupe just has that 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 je ne sais quoi that just like really people relate to him. You know, like you know, you 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 wanna you wanna be friends with him. You wanna talk to him, and you know, again, in terms of like bringing entertainment to the party, he can just pull things out of himself and like make things like disappear within himself, as needed. Um, and again, like you know, you're you're gonna want to document it. He's a known documentarian. Um, <laughs> you know, he'll have his camera with him. So like, I think that, you know, I I think I think that this this very strong and absolutely normal 
collection of mutants of Duke, <laughs> Glob, Herman, and Dazzler um, this is would so really good. go a long ways towards uh, solidifying uh, human-mutant relations. Yeah, now, now that you mention it, actually... I look at Dupe's face and all I can see is like world peace. So yeah, I think you, I think yeah, you hit it right? right on the head. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, this comes from Finiti bro, Isaac. He says, if you had complete creative control over a comic book TV series, what IP would you choose to adapt? Oh, this is a good one. Um, I, uh, here's the thing. I'm, I've been obviously loving, I've been loving, the like Marvel streaming shows since the Netflix series were, were, you know, it started and you know, the, the, the Disney plus series have done a really good job of like continuing the stories of the MCU and fleshing out these characters and helping to kind of build bridges and everything. But a thing that I feel like is critically missing is a good, like honest and not pastiche of a sitcom um, of something that is like just something you can kind of like laugh at and like enjoy the foibles of, of whatever these characters are doing. And so for me, I think it would come down to one of two things that I would adapt. I would either adapt uh, the superior foes of Spider-Man, which is another one of my absolute favorite comic runs. It's It has all the best parts of being a, a good heist story while also being very funny and... It was again. It, it is for for me something I look for in a in a in a comic book when I'm when I'm kind of jumping in is I like I like it when a writer and an artist and a creative team can make me really 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 like a character that I would never have considered even having an opinion on before. Um, and for that, for me, did it for me for uh, both Boomerang uh, and Shocker. Um, and it's just, it's just a really interesting look at like these guys who are not, again, they're, they're not A-list villains. They are, they're having to come together as, as a version of the Sinister Six just to be, start to be considered a threat. Um, and it's just a great story of like watching them see who is going to be the person to pull the next double cross and like who, seeing like who is working for who and... It's that's that's a really that would be one that I would want to and another one that I would absolutely want to see in a TV series would be um, Ecstatics, which is uh, with the mention of Dupe, it, it, I think is one of my favorite X teams. Um, and as I've as I've pitched before, I think I, I, I tweeted about it where like the way that I would actually really want to do an Ecstatics series is tricky because I would want to stay true to their comic roots. And which means that I would start with an X-Force TV series. Right. And it would be, it would be the X-Force characters we've seen established in movies already. Deadpool, Domino, Cable, uh, maybe Shatter, maybe bring back Shatterstar, introduce like some of the new characters introduce like, you know, uh, either depending on how much they would want to address it, either bring in different characters for like, uh, you know, like, like Sunspot or like, you know, like these various like Richter, these, you know, these characters who have been around like, like in X-Force and have like six episodes of this kind of like somewhat, you know, the, 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 there's, you know, a, a mole in the X-Men. There's somebody who's trying to, you know, track them down. Like they're having to do, you know, do the dirty work of protecting mutant kind and 
trying to you know be you know the black ops team that needs to be there and finding out this, this you know giant conspiracy that's going on that might involve the rest of marvel heroes without even some of them even realizing it and this whole thing and i want to build for six episodes and episode five would end on a real big cliffhanger with a real shocking character death um and then episode six would start and it would be uh the ecstatics team and it would be a completely different style of shooting it would be more of like sort of the like confessional style like office or parks and rec Love like it. to camera kind of like like comedy stuff of these mutants trying to live in a house with each other and like trying to like go about their lives bouncing what it would be like to you know shoot a reality show and everything like make like do that um and then have that not address anything that had happened or what is going on for like a good two or three episodes uh until the other the x-force comes back and like forcibly takes back the tv show from them um but i think i think i again it's i i i i don't like i don't like controversy for controversy's sake in comics but i do like ecstatics for being a very blatant uh middle finger to anyone who was a monthly fan of x-force uh where they just decided now eh, we're just going to completely change every direction of this comic from this cliffhanger issue to an, to the next issue and not really talk about it for like 10 or 12 issues um and just let let the angry letters pile in of like what the hell is going on why did you do this like it's, this it was in the middle of an arc like it wasn't like we didn't know what was going to happen um but I, I also i also just love ecstatics because like i feel like i mean i i'm a sucker for like michael albert's art and i feel like you can kind of capture that like the same kind of way that the iZombie show yes. uh, kind of have that same kind of aesthetic of, of with, for, for ecstatics of having this kind of like almost a pop art feel to it. Um, and I also just kind of liked that like, it was like a really, it was a unique X team, which you weren't really seeing a lot of in like the early to mid two thousands. Like again, like next to like Grant Morrison's new X-Men, like it was a lot of, kind of like by the by the book by the numbers in terms of what was going on with the x-men so i like i like that ecstatics was kind of like a shot in the arm of it being just weird and out there and inane and in a, in a time when the x-men were clad in leather and wanted to be taken a lot more seriously <laughs> jared are you are you frustrated now at this point in our podcast that you are not the elite comic book mind on the show anymore you know, honestly, I welcome it. I think it's, you know, my back has actually been killing me and I've had to see several. Oh, yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, now that I can lighten the load a little bit, it's actually quite yeah. yeah, It's always nice, isn't it? It's always nice. This one comes from Infinity Bro Mark. Uh, he says, which superhero would you want to start a cult with? And what would the cult's focus be on? I think... Because here's the thing, like... There, there are characters that are literally that are that are almost designed to at some point in their life become have an arc where they like have a cult, just you know yeah. by by their nature whether they are like you know like Thor or Storm or they like divine or whether they're characters like um, who is it uh, empath in in, in the X Men comics who can just manipulate people's emotions for his own gain, um, but I honestly think. Of all the characters, all the superheroes that I, I could choose from to start a cult, 
Um, I mean, it's hard because, like, right now in the comics, there's already a really good, strong cult going on with Xavier, Magneto, and Moira McTaggart um, that is about to come to a crashing end uh, that I'm excited to watch happen. Um, I think I would actually probably want to start a cult with Jimmy Madrox with Multiple Man. Um, just because it would be really easy to get the numbers up at first of just <laughs> like so really, really making it look like we already have like a huge <laughs> following. Uh, it's, it's, it's like a cheaper way of getting like Twitter bots, like buying followers and stuff like that. It's just, you just, you just, just all, the, all the, all the copies. There's a lot of just, people here. Yeah. All, yeah. All the copies just make their own social media profiles and they all get, you know, they all dye their hair and get different kind of facial hair and they just don't touch each other. And like, that's like. You know, we, we, we are promoting, like, personal space, and we're promoting, like, that. Um, <laughs> and, 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 like, you know, like, social distancing, like, promoting, like... Yeah, it's this... a COVID-friendly arc. Exactly, yeah. It's, it's, it's just that, and it's just trying to just uh, promote that, I guess, just because we have time to kill. And, um, yeah, I, th- I think, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a, a good time. You know? You lost points for not saying Moon Knight, but then you gained them back and then some for, like, all that explanation you just gave. <laughs> Spot on. Moon Knight. Moon Knight. I mean, Moon Knight would be tricky though. Like, I, I, Moon Knight. Like, Moon Knight is a dangerous dude. Like, he's. I don't. You don't know. The, the other problem with Moon Knight is that you literally don't know who you're dealing with, Which day to day. Like, is, yeah. You, yeah. Like, like, I don't like. Sure. Like, I'm gonna go into business with Jake Lockley, and then all of a sudden, like, Mister Knight's gonna show up in his like clean white suit, and it's been like, well, great. Now I have to pay like, he's here like for like do like taxes or some shit. Like, he's like, it's it's gonna be bad. I mean, that, that, one's yeah, the I, CEO, I, I will... one's the CFO, one's the exactly. Yeah. The other guy's just the taxi driver. Um, right. It's yeah. You, with all due respect, Justin, you, you said that you like Xavier and, and uh, Magneto had their own cult. I, I, based on the answers we've gotten, I really have a hard time thinking you were going to go either of them. Oh no! Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I mean, again, I don't. I don't want to step on their toes. They're already trying. They're. <laughs> Good point. They're, they're yeah. having a real they're having a real hard time right now trying to maintain the balance of things that are going on with Krakoa, with people now starting to question like why can't we bring back clones of mutants and hey how come no one with any precognitive powers was allowed to be revived? Um, so. We want to we want we're not trying to be offensive to them, figuratively yeah. or fictionally. We're, we're we're yeah this is a safe spot. Uh, Zane, close us out with the final infinity. I absolutely hate that I'm going last because you guys have just had these pointed, direct comic book questions, and my question is so stupid. Oh, that's awesome. That's even better. That's even better. <laughs> this is exactly what the one we should end on. That's why I was just like, <laughs> I'm just going to lean into the bit. Uh, to, but quick, before I go into my question, I just want to say, to go back to the dinosaur thing, I'm wearing my Welcome to Elon Nublar shirt. So I just uh, had to throw that in there. But my question, Justin, is... <laughs> Okay, what is the best shape of noodle? <laughs> See, no, this is this is tough because like I love you, Zane. Never change. I, ideally, I, I ideally that you're you're looking for somewhere that falls in a sweet spot of something that is able to retain a lot of sauce because ideally, you yeah. know, like. With, with, with most noodles, you have some kind of sauce, whether it be like a broth or like an actual like you know like a, a, you know pesto or a, a fredo, um, and something that is easy to maneuver, 
to get the sauce to your mouth. Um, so honestly, I think like I think the perfect pot like noodle shape would probably be. Uh, I would say a macaroni, but not like an elbow macaroni. Like you know, those like long spiral macaronis. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Like those, those, those would be my preferred because you get you get a nice you know, you get you get a nice heft, and you get enough noodle per bite where you don't have to get like a whole spoonful of it to feel like you've like eaten something. You can like spear one or two with a fork and still have plenty of sauce and plenty of noodle. Because it's got that surface so, area. I think. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think. I think that would be mine. Infinity Bros fans, you guys can't see this, but Zane just pulled out a notebook and it has a bunch of words scribbled out on the front and the only one you can read is noodle. Um, so it's, <laughs> we're learning a lot about Zane today. <laughs> but I, what I really appreciate about it is Justin not only heard it, but really, really took it for what it was. Right, he just went with it. And really was like, yeah, Zane, let me enlighten you. Now he gave us a TED talk, which was sit, beautiful. sit at my feet and let me yeah. tell you what I think on this subject. So, well, uh, Justin, you have survived the infinity gauntlet. Congratulations. You pat yourself on the back. You never know what's coming at you as you just literally saw and or heard. Uh, so great job, Justin. And, uh, we're super pumped. You're here. Let's head to the main event. The reason you're here, probably if you're not here for Justin, you're here for this. We want to talk about Shung. Chi, this is going to be a complete spoiler breakdown of this movie as well as What If Episode 4. So we want to make sure that you know this is a spoiler warning. This is... Prepare yourself. At Infinity Bros. Prepare yourself. Spoiler. Ah! Warning. Additionally, this may be the first time you are listening to us, and so we want to make sure you're familiar with our rating system and how we will be rating things today. Here on the Infinity Bros Podcast, everything is ranked from a zero to six point scale. Zero meaning horrible, and six meaning absolutely excellent. If all of the Infinity Bros rank something a six, it gets an infinity step. Uh, Shang-Chi, as of September 4th, this was at 8.20 this morning, made $29.6 million on Thursday night. That was .3 behind Fast 9. It is currently on track for $75 to $85 million coming this Monday. Uh, it's obviously going to have a star-studded cast of what I believe will be future star-studded people. Uh, but let me get into the synopsis and then uh, tell you about who's in it, and then we will hear the non-spoiler reviews. Shang-Chi, the master of unarmed weaponry-based kung fu, is forced to confront his past after being drawn into the Ten Rings organization. Destin Daniel Creighton is the director. The writers are Dave Callahan, Destin Daniel Creighton, and Andrew Lanham. This stars Simu Liu as Shang-Chi, Zhang Meng as Xu Xiaoling, Tony Leung as Wenwu, and then Florian this is the, this ironically this is the hardest one Jay, for us. We were talking about this even pre-show. Monte Enu, Fala Chen as Lee, and then Andy Lay as Death Dealer, who we actually didn't even get to like see who that was under the mask, but if for those that were curious, that was who was in that as well. Um there were there was there was other individuals there, but those are the key ones. 
We want to start with our non-spoiler reviewed first, though, for those that have yet to see it and maybe want to hear Justin's thoughts or and or our thoughts. So, Justin, would you give us your rating of Shang-Chi on a scale of one to six and tell us just your brief overview from a non-spoiler perspective? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, like, uh, honest, honestly, I went into this movie with very high expectations. Um, it was the movie I was most excited about that was coming out this year. Um, you know, I think I think that, you know, Eternals looks like it's going to be gorgeous, and obviously, you know, No Way Home is going to be this crazy, you know, another, like, jumping on into point for the next big, you know, part of the MCU, but, like, Shang-Chi was, it was new, and it was a new, like, addition of, in, in many ways to the MCU. Um, and all in all, I, I would give this movie a solid six. I would give this, it was a damn near perfect movie uh, in, in my eyes in terms of just about everything. It, it, it was its own thing while still having like just enough of a tie to the rest of the MCU so that you knew that it was still you know part of the Marvel Universe, but it's still very much its own thing. The pacing of it was great. The action was unbelievable. Um, and it, it left me, you know, wanting, you know, to see more of everyone involved. So, yeah, I, I, I loved it. This is the 25th Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Simu Liu tweeted at Marvel on December, in December 2018, essentially asking for this role. And then earlier, I believe a week or two ago, he actually thanked them for giving the role and then, you know, quoted his own tweet. It is the first superhero film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with an Asian leading protagonist. Jarrett, let's hear your review for Shang-Chi. Yeah, I mean, going into this, I had a few things working in my favor that was already raising my hype level. Um, it's it's rare that I hear about a superhero movie and I'm like, wow, I don't know anything about this character. Um, Shang-Chi was one in the comics that I saw very rarely. Um, it's not one that I dug into pretty frequently. Uh, I think the thing that I saw him the most in was maybe Spider Island or I think he was in Immortal Iron Fist for a bit. Um, so it was cool, right? Like that it was this new and unknown space to explore. It promised to be this like awesome Kung Fu experience. Um, and, and I'm a big fan of Simu's from Kim's Convenience, which is not without its issues, but a fantastic series. Um, and so my hype level like through the roof. Um, saying that, this movie paid off that and then some. Like 5.8 and the few minor things are very nitpicky. Maybe a six on a second rewatch, I don't know, but um, it delivered all the things that it promised, which was a great story, absolutely incredible action scenes, um, phenomenal acting. I mean, it was everything I wanted and more. Bill Pope is the cinematography director for this. He is known for movies such as Spider-Man 2, uh, recently The Jungle Book in 2016, one of my personal favorites, uh, Baby Driver. I know that is a polarizing film. Some of us in the Infinity Bros love it. Some of us do not love it so much. Um, he did Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Zane, I know you're you might be the biggest Scott Pilgrim versus oh, the yeah. fan in the world, Zane. Um, but he also did The Matrix, which uh, has an insane amount of kung fu and is uh, what I would assume a huge reason he was chosen for this role. Zane, let's hear your review of Shang Chi. Yeah, I don't know, like basically like a lot of what Justin and Jarrett said um this really was a movie that I didn't know what we were going to get out of it 
Um, so that had a lot of excitement for me, to, you know, launching kind of into Phase 4. Like, yeah, this was a character that, kind of like Jarrett said, kind of saw in the background of stuff, never really dove into this character. So I was like, I feel like there's a lot you can do here. Like, there's a lot of stuff to work with. There's, you know, the the whole movie's a canvas to tell this story. And I felt they did fantastic for it. Um, my, I got to give it a six out of six. Like not only do I, like it's just a nostalgia thing of just loving Kung Fu movies. Like it hit that and more. Um, and I was trying to figure out kind of like a simplified way of explaining it. Um, as I was driving back from the theater today and I was just like, this movie is the Kung Fu movie that I didn't know I needed, but I am 100% glad it's in the MCU because like it was not expected. I was like, Oh yeah, I don't know how they're going to do this, but they did it wonderfully. Yeah. When I walked out of this one, Zane, I was like, I can't wait to hear what Zane thinks because this, this bad boy just had you all written all over it. As far as I'm concerned, 100%, I 100%. I was like, "This, this could come out as one of Zane's, favorite movies uh the late brad allen who passed away actually weeks ago was the martial art arts uh choreographer for the fight scenes of this obviously well known for being a uh, part of stunts with the movie gorgeous starring jackie chan he did stunts in other movies again we talk about scott pilgrim versus the world earlier he was also involved in that as well as the Kingsmen and uh in a couple other movies he was actually solo a star wars story uh yeah, that's really well known for their kung fu, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's the one you think of kung fu. You think definitely of the solo movie. Um, no, I, I'm gonna give this a five point five. I'm gonna echo all the good things you guys are saying. So there's really nothing for me to add in that. Only good things I'd add aside from it were I I think Simu Liu is absolutely a star. This there has been some people being like, oh. They have to pick new people that can stand with the Avengers. It's like that for one to me that feels foolish because they either got it or they don't. Um, so put them up front and we'll find out. But this guy clearly has it, and I really think he nails comedic beats way more than people give him credit for. I absolutely adored one comedic thing we'll talk about later at, that happened at the beginning and the end with him and Aquafina's character. I really liked Aquafina in this. She was kind of, I love her as an actress, but I was a little worried about having her in it. And like, are they just going to make her somebody who's cracking really annoying jokes? That wasn't the case. She was very funny and the stakes felt relatively great. Um, my big issues are the third act gets a little bit formulaic. And one particular character is in this as a surprise character that, Drives me nuts. I'm going to talk about it. I'm pretty sure if you've seen this movie, you have an understanding of who I'm talking about. But if you haven't, I'm not going to spoil that for you. So you can maybe try to figure that out upon first watching. So from this point on, consider this your spoiler warning. Let's dive into the spoiler discussion here. What did you guys think? Because it's just it's it's irritating me, and I want to get it out of the way right now for myself, of Trevor Slattery returning Ben Kingsley. I loved it. I loved it so stinking much. See, here, here's the thing: is is I, I went in suspecting he that I knew they were gonna do something with it because, you know, like they they've had this setup of the Mandarin from you know Iron Man three, and then the, uh, you know, Lone of the King, like uh, like one shot that they did after it, um, 
And honestly, I was fully expecting the movie to just like open with Mandarin just straight up murking uh, Trevor Slattery of just being right. like, like for like, like, you know, assuming my name and for, you know, doing stuff in, in my name, like, you know, as a dishonoring kind of thing. But and honestly, by the end of the movie, I was hoping he wasn't going to die. I was like, this is it, it's it's the most unexpected character development in the MCU. Like, I think like to date, like the last person I was expecting to get a continuation of an arc was him and just like to watch him go from you know this a, a wood a, essentially a, a you know a puppet figurehead to fall from grace to go to go you know into prison for a little while and then get grabbed from prison and kept in a worse prison as a court jester for <laughs> this eternal warlord who thought it was entertaining the way he would do Shakespeare soliloquies and thought he was hallucinating a monster that he was his only companion of, of getting to see like it's like it's like yeah and like, like yeah and like of course he wasn't useful in the fight he's not a fighter so i'm glad they didn't try to like force him into having like a yes. heroic moment i'm happy that his moment was still being a coward <laughs> of, of playing dead yes to make sure that he could avoid like i i think that they they kept it in line with the character very nicely and like while i don't think i need to see anything else of trevor slattery in the mcu i'm happy he wasn't just absolutely killed off in the beginning I just feel like this was such a waste of my time, Justin. I, <laughs> I'll i be frank. I hated it. I absolutely despise this storyline in Iron Man 3. The, the short that they did with him, I've watched it once. I don't care now. And I heard that they had put it on Disney+. Plus. I, I just think this was the one, like, Kevin Feige's just like, I can do this, and there's nothing you guys can do about it. And I, I just, it was the one thing that took me out of the movie, to be honest. It was, everything was going smoothly till they turned the corner in that jail cell, and he's sitting there exactly as you're saying, doing the Shakespeare. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. We're going about this again. And then he can talk to this animal? Like, come on, people. Like, it it drove me, it drove me bananas. It, it, it was my one big gripe in the whole film. And I... I'm okay with them acknowledging him. I totally get that based on Wenwu and clearly his tension with power. I totally understand why he would make that choice. But, and even in Iron Man 3, as much as I didn't like it, I can understand one movie doing that. But two movies, I'm like, come on. It, it, you nailed it, though. It's like the most unexpected character development that I didn't want. But I got it. So, Zane, what'd you think of this? I thought... It was just so dumb, yet it just worked. Oh, my God. It worked. It was like, it was just... I'm alone. Yeah, I was going to say, you're alone on this one, bud. But yeah, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> like, it was completely, yeah. Like you said, it turned that corner, and I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. Like, what's this going to be? And then you get to that point, you're just like, okay, is our... Yeah, is this are they gonna kill him off? Or are they just be like, oh, you're gonna have this brief moment, like, in this prison cell, and then you're gonna continue the movie? And then it became, like... <laughs> this random oh no i gotta come on your journey with you and then just the odd beats of humor he would throw into stuff and you were just like i don't know what's going on but i can't stop laughing it just it's dumb enough that it just works i was True. just like yeah there were a couple of times I laughed. I'll give and you i think in my opinion it didn't overpower anything of the story it was its own off to the side they didn't try to do anything else with him other than 
hey, here's this kooky guy that we're throwing in, get a couple laughs from him. But, like, it didn't take anything else from the story outside of, hey, we're going to advance this quick. Here's how we're going to get through, like, this maze of trees. And he's just, like, randomly, oh, yeah. <laughs> this death maze. This death maze. And <laughs> he's just gosh. all chill about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Maurice good. says, uh, you need to go faster. Uh, you're going to take a right. <laughs> it's it just like, wait, what, what? What? What's going on? And then you get through that and you're just like, I was laughing this entire time. It was so stupid, but I, like, I... I can't knock it. Like I enjoyed it. It's it's so the MCU. That's yes. the other thing. Yeah. It's it's so like, hey, there's this massive high stakes scene. Crazy things around us are happening. Nobody understands the concept or physics behind what's happening. So instead of us having to explain it or trying to explain it or letting people ponder what that could be, we're going to throw a but both sided butt faced monster that is talking to Ben Kingsley's character that a lot of people did not like from Iron Man 3. So that's the only negative I have. It sounds like, for the most part, that's the only negative I'm hearing in regards to this movie. Let's talk about some of the positives here. Simu Leo, I highlighted it. Um, Jared, you want to talk about this. You talked about him a little bit, too, as well. But do you want to talk about what how you see him standing in regards to other Avengers in the future? Like, this guy feels like he could definitely lead an Avengers lineup down the line. So he's, like, both as a person and as a character, he's very very charismatic right if if you're not following simu on twitter you're doing it wrong like just delete your twitter account because you you don't deserve to have it anymore <laughs> um but like the character that they they built him into in shang chi is so genuine right like he feels like a real person a real character and in spite of all the crazy backstory stuff um and they did the same thing if you if you guys have watched black widow i'm not going to give too many spoilers there but um, they th- did this as well with P- Florence Pugh's character. Um, it is so incredibly on point how they built these people up to be broken and, and, and you know, missing parts of who they are. And yet they find that bit of themselves and, and build this great character out of it. And he's a powerhouse, right? Like the way that he takes hits and, and all of this and, and the way he stands toe to toe with somebody powered by the rings, even before he discovers his innate abilities, right? He is there as a forceful presence and so to say that like he can't stand side by side with somebody like you know carol danvers who in the mcu you know and and again max and i are slightly you know captain marvel apologetics calm down everybody leave captain marvel alone a big captain to say that he can't stand shoulder to shoulder with her as leading one of these teams you're missing this movie, right? If you can watch this and still say that, you need to go back and watch the movie again because clearly... Well, and you're literally missing the end credit scene as well. Correct. Yeah, absolutely So that's just another part as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready to see Simu in more stuff, um, even beyond the MCU. I think after this, people are going to start throwing deals at him like crazy, but I definitely, definitely am excited to see him in the MCU Yeah, that was such bull crap too, how him and Aquafina were like, yeah, we don't know what our future is in the MCU. I was like, (laughs) baloney. I was like, we'll see you in Doctor Strange probably for five seconds somehow. My goodness gracious. Um, Justin, is this the best action choreographed MCU movie from your perspective? I mean, I, I think so. It's, it's, it's on par with the likes of like Winter Soldier. Um, of like, you know, it, it's, it's you, you get a lot of Marvel movies that can especially some of the ones in the last couple of years that can get lost in these giant action set pieces that are huge in scale. Like 
again, like, sort of, like, you know, the reference, like, you know, the, the last Marvel movie to come out before this, Black Widow, like, kind of, you know, the the falling out of the, you know, the airplane kind of, like, sequence and everything, like, like the crashing, like, hella, you know, carrier thing. Um, but I, I, and I think, you know, like, the challenge with this is that by its very nature, by the nature of, you know, the character and the world that they're building, it's, it's all, you know, various styles of martial arts, and those fights are very tight, and they're very close up. And while they, while, you know, they, they move, and while obviously, you know, like, the third act, you know, big fight is, you know, on, on a higher scale than some of the earlier fights. The earlier fights, especially, I would say, you know, like, the bus fight, especially, right. which comes so much sooner in the movie than I was anticipating. I thought that was going to be a much later in act one thing, but it's, like, 20 minutes in, and they're in the bus fight already. Um, and then, you know, the, the high-rise fight, too, especially... Um, with, I, I remember seeing, uh, I think Simu Lu tweeted out that the fight with Death Dealer where he catches the knife in the middle of the fight to keep it going was a practical effect that was not a CGI knife and it took them like, like 30 or 40 takes of that, of that, that part of the fight just to get it where he could catch the knife and keep, keep the flow of the fight going. Um, but I, I think, I think it's. The, 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 it's it's a point in its favor that makes it, in my mind, immediately rewatchable. I finished watching. I got out of the movie and was like, I could go watch this again right right now and not be any less entertained by anything I'm watching because like that's like the the beauty of a really really well choreographed like martial arts movie is that th- it is it has a rewatchability about it that like a lot of other like genres of even action movies like like like. Like, I, you know, I, you know, you watch Die Hard once a year because, you know, it's on TV, you know, like, like you may, maybe you watch it if you, if you're, if you're particularly a fan, but like, you know, it's on, you're like, oh, okay, sure. It's, it's Die Hard. Um, but like you, you can watch like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, or like uh, any given Jackie Chan movie. And it's always going to be engaging to watch it because you're just like trying to like, like, like any good dance, like you're just trying to track the moves of the fight and like the rhythm and like how they're moving from just like person to person, how like the, every fight like progresses, like even in the, in like the, the like opening, uh, sequence where, uh, you know, shang mother is, is telling him as a child, the story of how she and his father met, like that whole sequence is beautiful. It's, it's, it's a fight, but it's, it's choreographed so like lovingly in this, in this, in, 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 in what is very much, like you know as i already said but it's already very much akin to a dance and it's just it's just gorgeous to watch and like there's some there's some movies especially in marvel that you watch because the fights are going to be satisfying um like you know like the 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 fight to go back to uh civil war the first appearance on screen of black panther when he nails winter soldier and gets in the fight with him like, that is, like, a viscerally satisfying fight. Or even the fight at the end of that movie between Winter Soldier, Cap, and Iron Man is, like, it's a viscerally satisfying fight because it's an, emo- it's a, it's an you know, expulsion of emotion, emotion, and it's been building up to it at that point. And it's, it's you know, it's finally hit that tipping point. Um, and so it's it's fine to watch it, but I don't, I can I can have it on and be like, oh, it's going on. And it's, it, it, it just kind of, you know, it's a fight. You see it <clears throat> maybe two or three times and you're just like okay that's the fight like obviously yeah okay he's gonna bounce the shield back and forth here it goes um but like the fights in shang are just so viscerally satisfying to watch 
um, that I, I think I think it, it's it's one of the it, I think it's one of the things again like that adding into the rewatchability that puts it very high up on my top Marvel movies. Can I list. jump in just before because I know Zane is going to have a lot to say about this, and, and I want to give him his. Point, I'm but... pivoting right to Zane right after. Okay, you, so go ahead. Just a quick thing on this too is like <laughs> this is something that. Marvel Cinematic Universe has done their, like, you know, very, like, gritty. I mean, you think of the knife fight in, in Winter Soldier, right? Like, they've done that well. Um, and the Netflix series actually did this other side very well. We saw that with the hallway fight in Daredevil and stuff like that. And this felt like that. But even more so, this felt like maybe a love letter in MCU's take on things like a Donnie Yen movie or a John Woo movie. Like, this felt very kung fu to me. And... I think that's the staying power of something like this is it does feel different enough, right? It has all the action sequences, but the action sequences, as you said, feel different enough and feel more like those things that we expected that it has that rewatchability, right? I can watch Civil War and Winter Soldier side by side and it's like, yeah, these feel the same. They feel like some of the same beats, some of the same fights, but this feels different enough and, and more like that sort of, you know, the Kung Fu classics that we love. Zane, did this not just feel like a kung fu movie? Like, so this is how I would describe it. And this is why when I thought of you, I was like, I really hope he can be available for this episode because the first two acts to me are exactly what we're talking about the last five minutes of kung fu. But the third act adds this layer that is parallel to me of Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, um, a little bit like it, it, the the theme felt a little Dragon Ball Z. Like again, I'm I'm naming classic big hits for you, right? Of like, this is your genre of our group. This we like it, but this is for you, your genre. Did you catch that feeling and sense watching this? Like for me, Shang Chi riding a dragon in the water. I like it in the movie. I was like, this is this is Spirited Away live action and it's and the story is just as deep how did you feel from your perspective of this scene this very much was a love letter to all things kung fu movies and all things of kind of that mysticism and i think something that um it it's always kind of in the background that no one fully realizes i feel like with kung fu movies is you know you get um movies that have to do with magic and everyone's like, Oh, you have that suspension of belief. Oh, it's because of magic. Or you take a sci-fi movie. There's a suspension of belief of, Oh, it's just a future technology. For whatever reason, people always forget that there's that same feeling in Kung Fu movies. I don't know if it's because of it's the, the grounded in the realism of like, Oh, you're actually performing and actually fighting. Like this is something that's not fully CGI but there's a suspension of belief when you get into kind of that mystic feeling of, you know, you're, you know, going through the forms of, you know, and the, as the wind is swirling and using the wind and harnessing, you know, the wind, you're like, well, I, I don't know why these leaves are swirling, but it adds to that effect. And you're like, I, I completely don't question it because it's a Kung Fu movie. Like it just fits with that feel and the flow. And um, like Justin had mentioned, like, so much of this, it feels like a dance. It's like flowing of water almost. And when you have really good choreography, that's what makes it so much more rewatchable because yeah, not only is it in a movie and I think what sets it apart from, you know, what you have in civil war or, um, you know, the fight with 
Cap, Bucky, and Iron Man. Like, you know that that fight had more stakes. Like, it's less of a dance than, hey, this fight is serving a purpose. Um, in martial arts movies and a lot of kung fu movies, you almost have to look at a lot of these fights that are drawn out as the fight itself tells a story. And so right. from each move, from each grasp, lock to everything, like everything has to go in correct order for it to flow. And this movie does such a good job of capturing that. And I knew that instantly from that first scene when the, with the, the mom and the dad fighting. And um, that's when I was... When, Wu and Sue. Yeah. I was like, I couldn't remember the names. But that's when I was like, they, they nailed it. Like whoever, you know, when they were getting the choreography and everything down for this, they were like we're going to take what people love from these Kung Fu movies, like that add that mysticism, you know, we're going to take that, you know, crouching tiger, hidden dragon feel that suspension that we're flying through the air, kind of have this dance. But then as you, the movie went on, you got, you know, into the skyscraper, some of these other fights, like they're like, we're going to take some of this Bruce Lee feel, just some of this, this brute, like we're just going to have this fight. And like, they kind of just melded together all these just different aspects of it. And like, like I said, it was a, I feel like it was a beautiful love letter to all. I agree. All the things. Meshed. Seven Samurai. Right. And it Which all is so fit great. in like, there. That's so on point. Right. And it all fit in there and it flowed so well. And just the way, it, like I said, a, a fight has to flow. And not only did the choreography of the fight flow through the story, it also helped the entire story flow as well. And that to me, like that, it did feel like the third act got really, really big, really, really quick. <laughs> but I guess with the Ten Rings as a, I wouldn't even call it. I don't know if I'd even call them a MacGuffin. Like they're an artifact that's being used by the villain. I, I the Ten Rings needed something bigger to go against. It couldn't just be a guy fighting him. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how I'm trying trying to say this. I guess I'm. I'm trying to make the point that they had to up the stakes in some capacity. I guess just for me to see two flying dragons or death soul eaters <laughs> flying in the air really went from zero to a thousand very quickly on an already. Zen got his kaiju. Yeah, that's I've. Yeah, it's it's kaiju's now are in the, are in the building, right? Like, and they're in another universe is kind of what they said because that's a portal to another universe, right? So multiverse potentially. I'm not I'm not saying that. I, I'm I'm not saying that I think that's that. I'm just saying that's just on the table now. Justin, was this third act too big for you in the sense of it took you out of the story or was this just another formulaic Marvel thing from your perspective and the rest of the story was great and fantastic that it didn't matter. I think I I I it didn't really take me out of it at all. I I think that Again, like like you were saying, it's it's very much a Marvel thing now is that you kind of always expect that the third act is going to be some kind of big set piece um, to really kind of let the, the heroes stretch their legs, so to speak, and really kind of show off what they can do or what they've spent, you know, the movie training to do or learning to do. Um, and so I don't, I don't think it really... It, it definitely kind of rocketed up, but I feel like there was at least like the slightest little bit of setup for it in, you know, like the notion of like the entire, you know, the, their dad's money, when was whole monologue about why he was bringing his kids back together was because he wanted to reunite his family because he'd been hearing the voice of his dead wife 
and you know them managing to break out and find their way to the you know the city and of Talo and, and find out about this whole mythology was that was you know kind of going to be there and so I, I don't feel like it, it, I mean it definitely jumped up I don't know but I don't think that it, it necessarily took me out of the whole thing yeah and 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 when woo that being because in my mind going into this movie the ending was way different Right. Oh, yeah. The ending was way different than than what I was looking at on on screen. Yeah, was I, I, was, so... I was. I was. <laughs> yeah, I was anticipating again, like in in typical Marvel formula. I was anticipating just you know the standard showdown of the hero and the villain, who is the opposite version of the hero, fighting, and right. the hero having the one up because he either has more heart or they believe in themselves more, right? Or they've managed to fully you know under come understand their powers. And honestly, I will say this. This is a, another point that I very much give in Shang-Chi's favor as a movie is that it manages to sidestep it being an origin movie for all intents and purposes very easily and very smartly. Um, in, in terms of the strategic uses of the flashbacks throughout the movie at strategic points so that you could kind of get to see a little context for like moments that were happening and why certain things mattered of uh, in terms of what how characters were acting or what characters said or did um but another thing that i really liked about it was that like there was no part there was no you know iron man having to build the armor there was no peter getting bitten by a spider and there was no there was no like there while there was in, in act three a training montage that was to build up for this huge fight that was going to happen between them and the forces of Wenwu and hopefully, but ultimately against the dweller in dark and like every, and like all these eldritch monstrosities. Um, but there wasn't one in the beginning where he was like having to figure out, he didn't have to learn. We didn't have to watch Shang-Chi learn Kung Fu, even though we did. Uh, but he, he was, when we meet him, he's already at that level. He's already, he right. already is a living weapon. He is, he is, he is the master of Kung Like he, he is a master of Kung Fu and I think that is something that kind of helps the pacing of the movie is that way, that way you, that was, that's why you, you can have the bus fight happen like 20 minutes in because you don't have to worry about him. Like, Oh wow, I can do Kung Fu. It's like, no, I could always do Kung Fu and I've had to keep it on the super DL so that my dad doesn't find me and try to kill me and anyone I might care about. Um, and so I, 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 I liked that part of it a lot in terms of, managing to more more or less keep in line with the promise that was started after I want to say after Doctor Strange that Kevin Feige gave of no more Marvel origin movies where you you know the the entirety of the first act is just like meeting this character and then watching right. them have like you know watching them the whole hero's journey bit of it you could just kind of be like okay here they are and they're going to do some cool superhero shit and it's like dope that's all we really need like, like like give us give us like context clues and environmental storytelling to tell us any other bits that we that, that might be like interesting information but keep them on the keep put them on the path and get them going right from the start and continue to to break apart different genres as they've done and that's what this was this was breaking down the kung fu genre zane you eloquently said that we're not gonna go back down that path um jared to close this out here did the post credit scenes land for you? Yeah, I mean, I think I liked them. I think it, it took it in a weird 
twist that I wasn't expecting. When when I heard that there was post credit scenes, I just began like churning through like, okay, what happens next? What happens next? Obviously, there is the like obligatory kicking the ball down the line, um, which we got with him his meeting with Carol Danvers and um, uh, Bruce Banner. Anyone else think that Bruce Banner looked really, really, really old for some reason? Like, I don't know if that was just me in the theater. I, I, I think I think that was, you know, kind of in purpose, kinda of like with him keeping his arm in the sling of I feel like I feel like this they definitely like I don't know if it's essentially aged up, but like wearied up Bruce Banner. Um which which I think is, is cool in keeping with the notion that like the damage that was done to him in Endgame is gonna be here for a while. It's not something that like the natural like healing factor of the Hulk can fix. It's like when you when you sustain that level of like a cosmic injury, you, there's no real there's no real easy walking back from it. And you've got to set the table for She Hulk, right? I think it it also like what it did well is the same thing that we sort of saw at the end of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, right? When they set up that you know he's not really human. Right, they have to have something to hook you in for the next one, and the question about what are the rings, where do they come from, all that does a good job sinking its hooks into you. The thing that I really liked, and I called that like they had to introduce some other villain or, or leave something at the end uh, for that. Um, I actually thought that it was going to be the Dweller in Darkness, like a piece of it surviving, um, and it ended up being his sister taking over the Ten Rings. And I shoe shelling, yep. shoe shelling. I thought that was such a, a cool way to do that. Um, I think the Dweller in Darkness still being around would have been a little cheesy, and I don't think I would have liked that. Um, the, the 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 flip of the Ten Rings I really liked. Yeah, and that's a great group to keep around for a Disney Plus show or even down the line, t- tag-teaming with a bigger villain, right? So I... I... Go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. I was going to say, it's also why I loved that, you know, in, in lieu of the standard, this character will return line you got the double meaning of the the 10 rings will return so right. i mean you know it means that obviously we're going to see more of shang chi but also we're going to see way more of the 10 rings now that his sister is overseeing it and kind of seeing the shift that she might take on this worldwide you know crime ring there's just a lot of like crime lords going around the mcu right yeah <laughs> like they are just that's I, the big I would, thing that I would, game I'm not, I'm not even like like I would a hundred percent love to watch Jialing go against the power broker, go against Sharon Carter. Uh, I think I think that'd be really interesting to see. That'd be a lot of fun. That that would be a lot of fun for a season two of Captain America and uh, and uh, the Winter Soldier if they if they pivoted to that instead of a fourth movie. I don't know. Ninety two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a ninety eight percent audience score. So I mean, everybody loves this movie, man. This is. That's the reality of it, and it looks like it's going to do big things in regards to the context of COVID. It's going to be in that $80 million range for a four-day weekend, which is what I would call a win for Marvel. So um, great th- job to them. Can I throw one more thing in here that I noticed? No, Zane, we've got to go. No, I'm kidding. Okay, that's fair. Um, well, no, like, I'm sure you guys saw it too, but I don't understand or fully like where it's going. But yet um, we had another villain appearance with the color purple. With the dealer in darkness, when it got powered up, it turned purple. So, are you leaning towards Dormammu, or what are you trying? Well, to Well, no, I'm just to? saying, like, I don't know where this is going because, like, we had that with Agatha. Her 
suit was purple in the end. We had uh, from. I mean, way back in Guardians, you had uh, Ronan the Accuser, like like the the power the power stone, like yeah. Right, like you had purple, and especially now on this new stuff, there's been a prevalence of the color purple, and Kang. I noticed it again. Yeah, and I'm like, I I don't know. Yeah, Kang, you had purple with the purple, yeah. the 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 mask of um in Falcon and the Winter Soldier with yeah uh, with yeah um, why am uh, I blanking <laughs> but. But yeah, like Zemo. Zemo, um, yeah. Zemo, yeah. yeah. And so, like, I'm noticing, like, there's this significant trend now that, like, purple being tied to the villain. And I'm like, is this going to crescendo into something? Is this going to mean something? Or are they just like, hey, we're going to make our villains purple now? Like, no, this is going to end with Kang answering to Justin Hammer. There it is, yeah. <laughs> Gross. There um, you go. This, uh, I, I don't know if you guys caught it, Infinity Bros, but this is our new segment that we're about to debut. I know Zane wasn't supposed to spoil it, but uh, we are getting Zane's color theory hour. Um, so look forward to that in future episodes. If and when we do get Zane on. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I, it's the meme of Zane with all the yarn in his, his room just covered. Right. <laughs> what purple. does it mean? <laughs> the purple. It's everywhere. I, I, I will say to, to, to connect a dot, again, kicking the ball down the line, Though this version of the Dweller in Darkness obviously doesn't have any direct or obvious indication of it. In the comics, he does... The, the comics version of Dweller in Darkness is both a villain of Doctor Strange's and uh, has ties with the Fear Lords, uh, one of whom is obviously Nightmare, who we know is going to be the villain or one of the villains of Multiverse of Madness. So... And I mean, obviously, I think I feel like the Wong cameo too kind of intrinsically is kind of tying, kind of bridging that as well. I agree. Doctor Strange and Shang Chi are definitely te- teaming up for something down the it line. It felt on purpose. Yeah, absolutely. It totally did. I mean, we didn't talk about Abomination. Apparently, Tim Roth did voice. Yeah. His his sound effect. I don't know if they took his facial expressions for that. I just know the article I read from. Deadline said he voiced it because it was confirmed by um, the director. So it's something to note. But if Abomination is in this, then he's clearly back for something down the line, right? So, Zane, maybe get less less on the color purple, more on Abomination. Get on that. And, <laughs> and Trevor, out, okay? right? Sir Ben Kingsley and all of the acting range. Just let's, Jared, let's just move on. I said I wasn't gonna disagree with Justin about something, and then that, right out the gate we disagree. We, we get a bu- we get a buddy cop show with Abomination and Trevor Slattery, Please. just those no, two. I I would rather watch Venom <laughs> than do that. That's where I'm at in regards to my Marvel viewing. So check this out. I'm gonna go back. My wife didn't get to come with me the first time, so we're gonna go see it when she's done with her her crazy work schedule this weekend. But Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings, go see it. Uh, this is going to be a hit, and a lot of people are going to be talking about Shang-Chi for a while. And pretty wild that they got uh, Tony Leung and Michelle Yeoh in the same movie. Yeah. That's wild. That's We didn't, didn't really have much time to talk about that, but that is remarkable. It's cool to watch a movie when everybody knows what they're doing. Yeah. That's cool. That's nice. Let's talk about what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands. It has everybody back. Jeffrey Wright, Benedict Cumberbatch, Rachel McAdams, Benedict Wong, Tilda Swinton, and then a new character, Aikamati, plays Obeng. And uh, this was written by A.C. Bradley, obviously adapted from Jack Kirby, Joe Simon, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
Justin, we're going to start again with you, man. What's your rating of this episode? And if you could kind of briefly share your reviews of the previous three episodes and what you've thought of What If so far as a series. Uh, what I mean, I think What If has served a really nice, like, it, it, it's sort of been like a sample platter of like, this is what the multiverse means. This is what we mean when we talk about the multiverse in the MCU. Um, and like multiple timelines and variants kind of, you know, springboarding off of Loki in the end of that. Um, and I think it's been a, a really kind of a cool opportunity to kind of look at some of these, you know, alternate hypotheticals from the, you know, Captain Carter and from the T'Challa Star-Lord uh, and, you know, the, the, you know, the last, ep- the third episode of showing Ant-Man actually being a, a threat and possibly one of the more dangerous members of the Avengers when, you know, given the right, right motivation. Um, but I, th- this one, I mean, this one was, it, I mean, yeah, this one was definitely like the bummeriest of bummer episodes. Um, just, you know, like, like in, in terms of like in, in setup and in terms of, you know, like, you know, watching, like, you know, like as you were saying earlier, like, uh, you know, the kind of breaking bad of Dr. You know, Strange and his descent into obsession and madness and trying to chase the power needed to undo this one event. Um, and, you know, seeing, seeing, you know, like, again, like you're, you're watching a dude in absolute agony for, you know, ostensibly centuries to, to hear him tell it. Um, and, you know, ultimately not only not being able to save and stop, you know, change the one thing that he could change if he could, but, you know, end his universe in doing so and end up the last surviving member of his entire timeline because of it. Um, and just having to suffer in isolation, like going again, it, it's, you know, it, it's a very, ti- it's, it's a very, you know, almost like Twilight Zone-esque, like ironic fate of a guy who was trying to do everything in his power to make it so that he didn't have to go through life alone, ending up alone anyways because of it. Um, but uh, I, I think all in all, I would say it's, it's definitely been one of the strongest episodes of the series so far, and I would give it a solid five verging on six, but I think at the very least a, a, a very, very solid five. Okay. Zane. Yeah. Like I loved the, the tone on this was a bit of a, a shift and just that the whole message of grief it gave was such a powerful image. And like Justin said, the whole thing of like the whole thing, he was so scared about being alone and it ends with you are alone. And like, that's such a, just a larger metaphor on like grief, this feeling of being alone. But it's also kind of shows of like, this is why it's essential to have that healing of like moving on. And like that kind of like, that's what the other Dr. Strange tries to get this one to do of you have to move on or else that grief is going to eat you and you truly will be alone. And like, that's what we saw at the end. He's the only thing left in that universe. And so I think the, the tone on this one was just different. Like, yeah, you had everything with like Ant-Man just completely snapping, but like on all the other ones, in essence, the good guy still won on this one. You're like the, the cost of this is great. And even in that scene when he's there, like begging the watcher to do something and the watcher was like, no, 
like you like you did this yourself like that was just a a, a tonal shift personally it's my favorite one so far just because i was like they took everything kind of flipped on its head and we were like yeah we're gonna have a deep story on this like we are gonna get into you know heavier things like it's not just gonna be you know oh peggy carter got the the serum or oh it's fun and you got you know t'challa's star lord like this one's a heavier thing so for me um i give this episode a 5.5 out of 6 like it just it it's one that sticks with you and it's definitely one you sit and think about and you're like like there's there's heavier content there i feel like than in previous ones the t'challa episode is really difficult to top for me simply because of chadwick boseman's past right right like that that's the reason that feels like such a to be honest it was a good episode but if he didn't pass part of me would definitely say this episode is the best one of the season right so so that's that's my i'm going to give this a 6 i mean this is this is exactly there's so much disrespect for doctor strange at times from people in regard, like even just recently with the Spider-Man stuff of like, oh, I can't believe you would potentially mess with the multiverse. It's like, do you not understand that the guy is as arrogant as Tony Stark right. and like thinks he can like he totally thinks he can do whatever he wants. Like, let's not act like and he wants to don't get me wrong. He wants to protect the fabric of reality, but he also is so intelligent. And this episode really highlights that and shows just like. He just deep dives into how to do this and how to save her. And you talked about the tonal shift. We finally got an episode where Jeffrey Wright can finally act alongside somebody instead of just being a narrator. That's one thing that's been frustrating for me. I want to see more of the watcher talking about what's going on instead of narrating the situation. I think he needs to be more invested as a character in this. But nonetheless, six out of six, you guys highlighted the, the best parts. I think it's great, too, that this feels like kind of and this feels like it makes Doctor Strange a better movie. Yeah. To me, this makes Doctor Strange a much better movie. And this makes the character of Doctor Strange and what he did in Infinity War and what he did in Endgame and what he's going to do in this Spider-Man movie coming up. He's just such a rich character that doesn't get nearly enough time to flesh out how deep and thoughtful he is. I feel like this episode shows this. And the battle that he has with him is the best scene we've had in this series so far, in my opinion. So, Jared, go ahead. Well, Max, I, I hope you can breathe a sigh of relief because I'm about to take all the angry internet nerds away from your bad Trevor Slattery take uh, with my what will probably be a bad take. Um, I give this a three out wow. of six. I was not as hot on this one as everybody else was. I felt like this one was a little bit of the fire hydrant to the face for me. Um, I give it wow. a three because of the implications, the greater implications of the Marvel Universe that it introduces, right? Things like what happens when a reality collapses and what happens when we go past those points. Um, even the the ancient one, right? Like in previous iterations, it's always been protect the timeline, protect the timeline, protect the timeline. But we see her take a risk and split Doctor Strange um, which shows that this might be a post Loki thing or whatever. Um, so the implications. Yeah, but she of the gave up. Multiverse. She gave up the stone in Endgame too. Yeah, 
Don't act like this is the first time she's ever done anything like that. But like the implication was the come back and fix it, right? We had no promise of that with Doctor Strange with this episode. I don't know if it was just like coincidence or happy accident in the same way that, you know, we talked about the date for the um, on, on uh, WandaVision, how that was probably more happy accident than it was intentional. Um, but I felt like when the universes were dissolving a little bit, we kind of got some Kirby dots in there, which was a little bit uh, into the Spider-Verse. And I loved that. I loved every bit of that. Um, the only reason I'm down on this, and so hear me out because I know the internet angry nerds are going to come after me. It felt like we kind of just kept seeing the same thing over and over again. And I know it was for story development, but like when you're spending 20 minutes having him relive her death over and over again, I got the pain of that in the first five minutes. You didn't have to keep doing it. And then him fighting all those monsters, like we got that the first two or three times. We didn't need 45 monsters that he was absorbing. Um, that felt a little like drawn out for me. God, you just you just aren't any fun at the party, are you? <laughs> you just you just can't you just couldn't stand it that there was just I needed good things. There was too many bad things in this. Mark is listening to this right now, and he just put down his chalk from writing up you know a tally on your bad take, uh, and he just he put my second one up there, the first being Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, this is, and he's like, this is number two for sure. This is for sure one of your legendary takes, right, Jared? I mean, this, <laughs> is, this is my new Thor, or not Thor Ragnarok, uh, Thor Dark World. Is this my new Thor Dark World? This might be for those that don't know, Jared. Uh, uh, years ago, like we're we're bo- we're on years now. Years, years ago, ago, when asked what the best CGI in a movie was, said Thor: The Dark World. And to this day, we still don't we still don't get what you're talking about. We still right now don't have a clue what you were trying to say. <laughs> Haven't a clue. <laughs> Horrible movie. Haven't Great an CGI. idea. Man, so you just felt this was redundant. That's what you're saying. I do. I felt like I got the story. I got the beats that they were going for. The fight scene was great. And the implications of the greater universe and the multiverse was great. But I felt like they kept hitting the same beat over and over and over and over again. And I was like, cool, I got it. Let's move on. My name's Jarrett, and I shouldn't have to evolve my Pokemon. They should just be at the max evolution already. <laughs> I don't need to fight all of these battles. I just want a Bulbasaur. I, should, I shouldn't have to train <laughs> and get XP. They should be at max level. Oh. Yeah, Jarrett, this one, this is this is bad, dude. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, though. Fun fact about this episode, too. Leslie Bibb, who plays Christine Everhart, was in this yeah. episode. That was great. I didn't notice that until the, the end credits. I was like, oh, snap. I was like, oh. What, what, no, that what was a, fun. What a, what a weirdly small in thing for this episode to get back. Yeah, and, she, and you know she's like, yeah, I'll do as much MCU stuff as you'll let me. She's like, I will ride that gravy train till I can't, man. I mean, this, I mean, it's, it's cool, too, to see, like, because they've talked about with What If, they're setting up something down the line. Could this be the big bad is a, is a question, I guess, some people have asked. I don't think so. I think he's going to say self-contained. But there's other things coming down the line that are rumored that I'm not going to yeah. share. I think, I, uh, I, I, I think that it's, it's less necessarily setting up, like, a character, at least so far. I don't think it's, 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 a, it's not so much, like, setting up, like, any particular character or characters, but more setting up, like, this is the kind of implication of stuff that we will see by the end of this season of what happens when you start mixing the multiverse and when the walls between these universes get thinner and right. 
the implications of that. Like I think I also think that this episode also is a step towards getting to see Uatu get closer to how he is in the comics where he won't interfere unless it's something he really probably shouldn't let happen. Um, and then he'll come up and be like, Hey guys, uh, their whole world's about to be destroyed. You should probably do something about this. Get by. Um, like I, cause like it was, it was the first time, you know, like it wasn't until we got to see Dr. Strange after, uh, grinding himself against all the various Rattata and Oddishes, um, that he was powerful enough to, uh, perceive that Uatu was even there. Uh, right. and then at the end of it, yeah, screaming for help and like watching Uatu at least like being like, being like, I, I am here. Like, I, I know that these last three episodes I've been this kind of like omniscient kind of like in the background. Like if you, if you look close, I'm in a reflection of a mirror or something, but it's like, he is literally always there and could at any point step in and do something. But it's just him being like, oh, yeah, no, I got it. I got to stick to the code. I got to stick to the code. And so I am I am highly anticipating that by the end of this season, we're going to watch him break that code. I want more Jeffrey Wright. You didn't yeah. hire Jeffrey Wright just to sit here and narrate two paragraphs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Come on. Let, let's get him in there and let him let him do his thing. Yeah. Come on. This is, in my opinion, still, even with Benedict. I think Jeffrey Wright's the best actor that's in this episode still. What if the, I just I, like I that just we're really one step closer really to uh, uh, Sam Alexander's Nova and uh, Original Sin. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I was going to say, what if they end What If with Original Sin and then just roll into that? Like, Watcher, you've been watching all this stuff? Nah. I'm all about it. Okay, so Justin, where does this all go from your perspective? We've talked about this on our show. So, like, how are they culminating all this? Because clearly the multiverse is has a clear end point in Kevin Feige's mind. Are you thinking this is secret wars or are you leaning kind of door towards Jarrett? Who's had like original sin as like the precursor and then battle world or something like that comes up. I mean, it's interesting to me because if, if you look back, I think it was around the time that either infinity war was going to come out or around the time before Endgame came out. But in one interview or another, Kevin Feige has stated that like the way that like the Avengers, were always kind of like the people at the heart of the big events leading up to Infinity War and the ones that they were the kind of like the focal points of it, that Spider-Man was going to be the focal point of Phase 4, and that it was going to be his actions that kicked off, and like the, you know, it was on his shoulders that a lot of the repercussions of whatever was going to happen would, would land on. Um and I think, you know, obviously, you know, we know we're, we're watching In a Way Home and we're watching with, you know, the multiverse, the, the, the one, two, three combo of Wanda and, you know, Sylvie and, uh, you know, Doctor Strange all just shattering the multiverse and bringing it all together of, yeah, building towards, I, I, I would, I would not be surprised if we went towards Secret Wars, if, if we got to... Here, here's 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 what I'll say. Here, here's what I think the safe bet is, and here is my absolute bonkers out of left field. Would yes. love to see them. That's get what we're to. here for. Feed me, Mama Bird. Let's yeah. go. So I would love. I, I think the safe bet is if they go with Secret Wars, especially because we know that you know the Grandmaster is still around. Um, we, we we know that you know we know that the Collector. We know that these Elders of the Universe. We know that we're getting the Celestials more with the Eternals. 
And so I wouldn't be surprised if, especially with Kang in the mix too, uh, hell, I would love to see if, if they end up doing like, here's the current lineup of the Avengers as they stand. Great. Now we're going to make you fight the Squadron Sinister. Um, if they would, if they just like brought in like, wow. maybe like this is how, what, what if, what if that's how we get like Henry Cavill in the MCU is he plays an oh evil, gosh. he plays Hyperion. Um, yeah. But, uh, but, but I think, I think like that kind of like seeing this giant, seeing something that we didn't really, that we, we, you know, we, we got to see, you know, the last 10 minutes of Endgame and uh, in bits and pieces throughout like Civil War is like a real huge knockdown drag out super fight of just a bunch of people with superpowers all fighting at the same time um, would be interesting to see. And I feel like getting to see like multiversal variants show up and kind of like a competition, not just on the simple scale of, you know, like bringing in the beyonder hell, you could probably even now that we have Jeffrey, White, you could probably bring in the watcher and like a lot more stuff of like that, of like establishing who gets to be, because ultimately you break it the, the next, you know, the next, journey is going to be re like getting order trying to reestablish it and so you know a, a secret wars type battle could be set to determine who gets to be the prime universe who gets to be the prime mcu universe and who has to be relegated to alternate timelines that you know like that, that you know like, and that, i think that'd be interesting to see now my absolute bonkers pitch out of left field would be secret wars the 2015 version uh, in which Dr. Doom becomes God in order to reset the universe. Um, and given that we know we're getting Fantastic Four, at the very least at the end of Phase 4, I think it would be very interesting to, in bringing in Doom and really establishing... And I, I, I'm not saying... We're going to introduce Doom, and then he's going to become God. I do think that there are still steps in between those to take, but I think it would be interesting if, in seeing all this multiversal, quantum realm, all this big and small and Kirby cosmic scale stuff that is, that is going towards, of watching the Doctor Strange, the Doctor Doom establishing himself as a figurehead of the unifier of trying to reestablish which could give us kind of weird you know almost you know like i said get the, see the weird stuff that we saw out of that secret wars and out of everything as you know with, with and then have that small band within it that knows that something isn't right and is trying to re reset the universe again in ter in, in, ter in terms of how everything could go i think that would be oh a very oh, a wild one to happen as well have him tear Thanos's spine. Oh out God! Of I would just, five seconds into the movie. Oh man, that would be that would be a that you know even if even if they don't necessarily go with the twenty fifteen Secret Wars, if they end up doing Secret Wars and like bringing back like you know the enemies of everyone, like re, 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 resurrecting, you know having a team of supervillains that is a resurrected of all the all the killed and vanquished supervillains, of of just having that moment of doom establishing himself as the leader of the villain team and Thanos trying to step to him and yeah, him just ripping Thanos' spine out as being like, no, I'm the leader. It's like, this is me. This isn't a debate. I'm saying I'm leading us and everyone's going to fall in line. I, yeah. All in Dr. Doom. I can't wait to see what Kevin Feige does with Dr. Doom. I just, just like, 
It's ridiculous. We're way over time, guys. <laughs> way over time. Love that. About 30 minutes over. We're yeah. not going to do top five today. We pro- we put it on the front end. I'll edit it out. Uh, but uh, Justin, dude, uh, this is so much fun, man. Thank you for taking time to be with us. Uh, everything that Justin talked about in regards to TikTok, we actually referenced the TikTok he talked about on the front end. I'll make sure that's in the show notes as well. Check him out on TikTok. Give him a follow. Leave a comment, uh, leave a like on those videos. And I'm telling you guys, when you watch an episode of What If or Loki or anything you're watching, one of my first go-tos is is Justin. He seems to be very on top of it in regards to Easter eggs, spoilers, and things that are coming down the line. As you've heard on this episode, he is very astute and very intelligent in regards to this stuff. He's an encyclopedia of knowledge, but also very welcoming. So, Justin, thank you for making time to be with us. Yeah, thank you for having me on. It was a blast. You're the man, dude. Zane, you did all right. You did okay today. <laughs> Thanks. You know, yeah? every day I wake up and I open my eyes and my feet hit the floor and I'm like, you know what would make today a good day is Max telling me I did okay. <laughs> I was thinking about just editing it too. Every day I wake up and then transition to Jared. <laughs> just go right to Jared. Just cut <laughs> just it out. What, just see what people would say. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we're glad you came on. Thank you for being here. We're grateful for you. Uh, Jarrett, you know what? You did a great job. You did an okay job. You did offend us on the back end with the Doctor Strange take. I'm happy for like, you know, my Twitter is going to blow up. Maybe not for the reasons <laughs> I want to, but my Twitter is going to blow up after this. So there's always that. Oh, you, congratulations for having another bad take and sharing an a, a authentic opinion. Yeah, number two for me. That got immediately locked. It feels locked. good. Yeah, thank you for not being part of the highlight. This line. must be what Robbie feels like every time he's on. It's like, it's kind of a high, you know? <laughs> this is what it feels like. Yeah, that's it right here. So, well, great episode, dude. Uh, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, being with you again. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Check us out on Twitch, guys. We are gaming. We are doing a lot of Pokemon polls, a lot of good things. So make sure you're following us uh, the at the Infinity Bros on there. You can, you can find us at theinfinitybros.com. And as always, we love you guys 3,000. We will talk to you soon. See ya. Bye. 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 Thanks for tuning in to the Infinity Bros Podcast. You can find the Infinity Bros on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Infinity Bros. Feel free to send listener feedback via email at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>